Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Today we begin a new series. Say new series with me. Brand new series. Eight weeks. Uh, it'll go along with our life groups, where we'll be studying the different names of God that are found in the Bible. If you look at all the different descriptions and titles of God throughout the Bible, there are probably over 200 different descriptions or titles of who God is in the Bible. Most of these titles describe the character of God. And I felt compelled to start off this new year with understanding the qualities, the character, the attributes of God so that because we are called to be more like him. And the only way that we can become more like him is if we understand who God is. We need to learn who is God, his attributes, his character. As you read through scripture, you'll find many different titles and descriptive names of God. But the most personal name that we have for God is, one, is the one that is revealed to Moses in Exodus 3, chapter 3, verse 15. If you remember, God used a burning bush to grab a hold of Moses' attention. All of a sudden, Moses is walking and he sees this burning bush. And when Moses approaches that burning bush, an amazing thing takes place. All of a sudden, God's voice comes out of that burning bush and begins to speak to Moses. God called on to Moses to, uh, to, to go to Pharaoh and de demand the release of the Israelites from Egypt. They were being held captive in Egypt. But Moses argued with God, and I want you to catch this word. He says, who am I? And it's important that you catch that, who am I, because we're going to reverse those words in, in just a second, because we're going to go from who am I to I am. But who am I? I don't have the authority to lead the Israelites from Egypt. And God told Moses these words. He says, I will be with you. Will you say that with me? I will be with you. The same promise that Joshua was told in Joshua 1.9. And let me read verses 13 through 15 of Exodus chapter 3. Listen to these words. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? Now it's important that you understand and remember that the Israelites have been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. That's a long time. That's longer than the United States has even been a nation. 400 years. And during this time, the Israelites have been bombarded in the culture of the Egyptians. And that was a pantheon culture. And we're going to just do a little bit of lesson as we get ready to go for this series, but it was a pantheon culture, which meant that they, they worshipped many gods. There wasn't one god. They had temples all over the place, and they sacrificed to many gods. And each of those gods had unique names. There was Ra, the sun god. There was Osiris, the god of the underworld. There was Isis, the god, goddess of magic, etc. There was more and more and more of these gods. And Moses wanted a name beyond the God of your ancestors, beyond the God of your fathers. He said, the Israelites are going to want a name. What, what can I, who can I say sent me? The Israelites were surrounded 
with gods that possessed personal names that represented their power and their authority. And of course, we know these are false gods, but they believed them. And this culture had permeated the Israelites' things. So look at God's reply to Moses. He says these words. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. God's reply, I am, conveys God's complete dominion over all things. He's the source of all power. He is the always and the forever. He is above all the alleged gods of Egypt. I am, when, he, when God says I am, it means that he is the one true God. Now look at verse 15 of that same chapter, Exodus 3, 13 and 14 and now 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, which some of your translations might say the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, referring back to Yahweh. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. Yahweh is the most personal name that we have for God. All other names found in the Bible are more titles or descriptions of God. Yahweh is closely connected to God's reply to Moses. When God replied to Moses, he said, I am. That word Yahweh is is tied with the I am. Meaning God's existence is not conditional on anything or anyone else. It, It just means that God is. He is. And the closest example found in the New Testament is Revelation 22, chapter 22, verse 13. When Jesus declared, he, Jesus declared this about himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The I am statement was a statement that angered. If you remember the story, I just talked about this not too long ago. The I am statement was the one that angered the Pharisees in John 8, 58, when Jesus told them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. It angered them because Jesus' statement is a declaration of his divinity, that he is part of the Godhead. Another thought, and I'm giving you some background for this whole series. I'm going to do this in this first message only. But another thought I want to share with you as we begin this, this series is the difference between Yahweh and Jehovah. Because maybe you've been reading the Bible, you'll notice in the King James it says Jehovah, and in the New Living Translation it says Yahweh. What's the difference? Are they the same? They are both translations of the same Hebrew name. The easiest explanation for me to share with you today would be Jehovah is the English translation from the Latin, and Yahweh is the English translation from the original Greek. So, and it, it's just, it, 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 we don't really know how it, for sure it's going to be pronounced because if you, in the Hebrew language, there was no vowels. They wrote with only consonants. There was no vowels. So it looked something like this. I think we have a slide. It would look something like that in the English. It's just those words, and you have to insert the vowels in between. So it's probably most likely Yahweh, or it could be something like Jehovah, not Jehovah, because the letter J was not in any language before the 15th century, by the way. The letter J is just not found. So it's not Jehovah. It might be Jehovah. So there you go. 
But you see on the screen Jehovah because it's a translation that's found in the King James Version. It's a translation that we're most comfortable with when it comes to the different names of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. So you're going to see that on the screen. And I'm going to be referencing both these names. So I don't want you to be confused. If I say Yahweh or Jehovah or Jehovah, guess what? That's all referring to the one God. Okay? Amen? The Hebrew word... Yahweh appears, catch this, 6,823 times in the Old Testament. And most of the time, and I'm just giving you a little lesson before you get started, most of the time when you're reading the Old Testament, you can recognize if it's Yahweh or Jehovah by reading the word and you see all of a sudden that the entire word Lord is capitalized. They capitalize Lord anytime the word Yahweh, which is the most personal name that we have for God. With all that, today I want to start our series with a unique name that David used to describe God's character. David used this word or this name, Jehovah Rohi. Jehovah Rohi. The name is found in one of the most beautiful and familiar passages that we have in the Bible. And it's found in Psalms 23, and I want to read that psalm to you today. And if you, Psalm 23, there's only six verses. Let me read it to you today. The Lord is my shepherd, that's that Jehovah Rohi, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And we recognize, Lord God, that your word is powerful, it's effective. And Lord, if we receive your word into our life, it changes us. So today I pray that your word will come alive in our spirit by the power of your spirit, God, that you would bring that word fresh to us. Let um, you be glorified in all that we do today. And I pray, God, you be glorified because of life change in us. I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Hebrew word translated, and I wanted to share that at the end, where it says the Lord forever. It says there, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Hebrew, the word that's translated forever, carries this idea of permanence. It's permanent. It's non-changing. It's forever. That's just, a, that's just a thought for you guys today because I think that's so powerful. But this is one of the most beautiful psalms that we have. And many times we hear this psalm, where? Where do we hear this psalm being recited many times? At a funeral, right? When you've gone to a funeral, you probably have heard this psalm recited. But I believe a psalm like this should be a part of our everyday life. <clears throat> it's a psalm of hope. We are not alone. That's what this whole psalm is talking about, is that we are not alone. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. David is the author of this psalm. And he probably wrote this psalm at a young age when he was actually a shepherd. 
And he went from shepherd to anointed king of Israel. This psalm reflects David's life. Because David was a shepherd, guess what? He understood sheep. And he understood, and this is probably the most important thing I want you to catch this. He understood as sheep that he was the shepherd over those sheep. But he also understood that God was his shepherd. He caught a hold of that. And so today I want to give you four characteristics of a good shepherd. The first one is this. <clears throat> Jehovah Rohi protects. David knew the protection because he was responsible for protecting his sheep. Protecting them from danger, either from the enemy prey or from storms. Or even at times, David would have to protect the sheep from themselves when they decided, I'm going to go this way because, I, oh, I see a beautiful bush over there. I'm just going to walk this way. Even though maybe there's a raging river, David would have to protect the sheep from themselves, from wandering off. One of the great stories of the Bible where we experience or we see the protection of God on David's life is when David fought Goliath. If you remember that story, he stood up to Goliath. He was a Philistine giant, and he was making mockery of God's army. And David said, no longer am I going to hear this. I'm going to go almost challenge this. And he didn't challenge this giant in his own strength. He challenged this giant in God's strength because he recognized that God was his shepherd. He knew that God would protect him. He told King Saul, as a shepherd, he had killed both a lion and a bear who came to steal his sheep. David wasn't stating this for his own glory. He was stating to glorify God. That as a shepherd, when I was out in the field, guess what? God protected me. Listen to David's words in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. I love these words. I just, I hear them when I hear them. I hear them in David's words with just this great confidence. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He, he, David had experienced God's power back when he was a shepherd. When all of a sudden a lion was trying to take the sheep, when a bear came approach, guess what? He fought those off because of the God's strength in his life. And all of a sudden, because of that strength, he says, I can take on this nine-foot, ten-foot Philistine giant, and I'm going to take him down because the Lord is my shepherd. See, some of you need to grab a hold of that truth in your life. What God has done for you in the past, you forget too quickly. What God has restored for you in the past, all of a sudden, we forget the past. And what we need to remember is that God was faithful in the past, and guess what? He's going to walk me through the storm that I'm facing today. If he was faithful then, then why not? Why will he not be faithful tomorrow? Amen? The Lord is my shepherd. David had many shadow of death experiences throughout his life, but each experience didn't draw him away from God. It drew him closer to his shepherd. David writes, I will fear no evil. How could David write, I will fear no evil? How could you write that statement? He says it in the very next line. I will fear no evil because you are with me. I don't have to fear evil because, Lord, you're with me. See, there's a confidence that we should have in our life when we know that God is our shepherd, that he is with me. Then David writes, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to talk about that for a moment. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was a shorter, kind of heavier stick. It would probably been similar to a police baton. And, and, and it would be used to fight off, you know, wild animals or whatever else. And then the staff, in fact, I forgot to bring it up. 
The staff would look something like this. You didn't know Pastor Tom had a staff. I just want to thank the Southern California Network for honoring me with this staff. Comes in handy right now, here today. The staff would look something like this. It was a stick that had a big curve on the outside, on the, around the outside of it. And it would be used as a weapon to either protect the sheep or to guard the sheep. But the staff was used to lead the sheep. And that brings me to my second thought. Jehovah Rohi leads. The shepherd leads us. The staff was used to guide the sheep to keep them out of danger. David wrote, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me ask you a question. How many here in the audience or online love to be corrected? Don't look at your spouse right now. I'm just asking just a simple question. How many of you love to be corrected? This passage of Scripture is basically saying, David is saying, I found comfort in being corrected by God because it rec- he recognized when God was correcting him, he was leading him. Now, if a hook like this came around your neck, many of you, all of a sudden, if the hook, hey, you're getting too far, to, getting too far, hang on, come on, come on back here. And if that hook went around your neck, most of you would ooh, get upset because you don't like to be controlled. You'd resist. But a good shepherd uses a staff in many different ways to push. You know, when a sheep gets, come on, come on. He would use the staff to push them along. And when a, all of a sudden one of them started wandering off, he'd take that staff and hey, and just put it around. The, come on, come on back here. And there's times in our life, God's going, because you're just getting lazy, God's going to poke you and just say, hey, get off your butt. Come on, start reading my word. Come on, start doing something. Start praying. Get to church. Come on. And he's going to poke you with it. You're not going to like it. Or there's times, hey, you don't need to go to that place. All that happens, every time you go to that place, you just all of a sudden stop looking at me. You stop serving me. So here, get back here right now. And this good shepherd uses that to poke and to prod and to bring us back. And David says, it comforts me to know that I have a good shepherd that is willing to correct me when in times where I need correction. Isn't that good? We need a good shepherd. Can't preach with the shepherd's staff, though. (laughs) Let me give you an illustration. We live in a world that rebels against laws. We live in a world that rebels against laws. Even many of our own leaders have no respect for the law. And I was thinking about this and praying for our United States, our leadership, it reminds me, laws without consequences will, will promote disobedience. If you have a law and there's no consequence to breaking the law, all it does is promote greater disobedience. And then laws will no longer bring, and why don't you catch this thought? Laws which are given, they're created to bring comfort in your life. All of a sudden, those laws will no longer bring comfort in your life. All they will do is bring grief. God's word God's word without obedience will bring grief to your life because it will expose your sin. 
It exposes your sin. Many people don't want their sins exposed. They don't want to repent. They don't want to surrender. They turn, because of that, they turn against God's word because they want to do life their own way. They want to be their own shepherd. They don't understand, and this is something that's so powerful, they don't understand the love of the shepherd. They don't understand the love of God for us, that he loves us so much that he cares for us and he's willing to bring correction into our life. He wants to lead us out of danger. He wants to lead us in the right direction. Like David, we need to find comfort in God leading us, even when it's by correction. Another quality I want to share with you today is Jehovah Rohi provides. David writes these words. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The blessings of God, and this is something for us to catch, the blessings of God never left David. Even though David experienced so many tribulations, so many difficulties, guess what? God's blessings never left him. Just to have a heavenly father that we can say, Abba, Father, is a blessing in our life. It's a great life lesson for all of us to recognize God's blessings even in the midst of difficulties and tribulations. David began the psalm with, the words, with these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. David understood God's blessings even during difficult times. David faced many challenges from being, trying to be killed by the King Saul because King Saul all of a sudden got jealous of this shepherd boy who killed Goliath and, and he slayed the thousands and they wouldn't talk about Saul, only he slayed the hundreds and, and all of a sudden King Saul got jealous and he was constantly trying to go after David and try to kill him. And even David's own son, Absalom, he all of a sudden decided that I'm going to take the authority and he started challenging his father David and he tried to kill David. And through all of this, even through all the struggles, through all the difficulties, and you might be facing different things in your life, and you're going, man, God, how, how, how can this all happen? Where are you, God? David recognized that God's blessing was still upon him's life, even when he was going through difficult times and struggles. And it's, it's something that we have to learn in us. As followers of Christ, Jesus went to the cross, talk about something that was difficult, but how big of a blessing is it for each and every one of us that Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life for you and for me, right? There's times in our life where we might have to walk through trials. We don't understand why, but maybe it's a blessing for someone else that someone else needs to see your faithfulness even through difficult times. We need to take that on in our life. Think about the sheep out in the wilderness. They're in constant danger from wolves and other predatory animals. And they're also in danger from their environment, from possible diseased water or dangerous cliffs or swift rivers. And a good shepherd will provide what is needed in all the different circumstances. The Apostle Paul writes it this way in Philippians 4.19. He says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is a promise that I want you to hold on to. I want you to grab a hold of that and memorize it and put it in your heart and put it in your life. That God's going to supply all my needs according to Christ's riches. He's going to supply my needs. The final thought I want to leave for you today is found in verse 6. It says, Jehovah Rohi 
is good. Jehovah Rohi is good. David writes, and I love these words. I'm sure you do too. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful, that's just such a beautiful writing of Psalm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Yahweh forever, forever. How did David have the assurance that goodness would follow him all the days of his life? How did he have that assurance? Because he had the assurance that his shepherd was good, that God is good. If you've had the privilege of growing up with a good parent, a good mother, or a good father, you will understand, get just a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father is, that you could go to that parent and you know that they are thinking about your best interest in mind. God is thinking about your interest, your best interest, all the time. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Psalm 23 is a beautiful reminder of God's goodness in our life. When we go through the uncertainties of this life, it's helpful to remember that we are anchored to a good shepherd whose best interest is on our behalf. David learned to recognize God's love throughout his life. He recognized that even when he was hiding from King Saul, that God's love was with him. Listen to the Apostle Paul. I think this is a great, because the Apostle Paul, I look at David and how David was running, and I look at Paul and how Paul, man, he fought so many different circumstances, tribulations. And Paul writes these powerful words in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love must be our anchor in this life. Bob Goff, an author, just lives out here in San Diego. He wrote the word or wrote the book, Love Does. Love Does. And it describes how our response should mirror God's response in our life. In John 10, 11, Jesus declares these words which are so powerful. He says, I am, catch those words, I am. He is. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The I am in this verse is the fourth of seven I am declarations recorded in the gospel of John that Jesus made. I am. Jesus is declaring that not only of his divinity, but he's declaring that he is the good shepherd. And I had this thought. And I, want, I don't know if these thoughts come across for you the same way they come across they come in my heart and my life. But all of a sudden I started to think about my good shepherd, my God, my king, my Lord. And I started thinking, the same good shepherd that led King David is the same good shepherd that's leading me. The same good shepherd that stood beside David when he fought Goliath and took down that giant is the same good shepherd that's going to walk with me through my next tribulation or through my next... Man, I can have confidence in my good shepherd. Just as I read the Word of God, my Bible, I can read of stories and it should jump in my life. This is my God. This is my God. 
Then in verse 7 of John 10, I want you to catch this imagery. Jesus states these words. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. During Jesus' day, sheep pens were constructed with high walls and with one single narrow opening. And so they'd be constructed in such a way that with high walls and one narrow single opening. And the reason for that type of construction is that they'd bring all the sheep into that pen. And in that way, that, that, that those walls around that pen would be a protection from any animals that would try to kill the sheep or any predatory animals. But it was also a way where all of a sudden that the shepherd could have control over the sheep in the sense that they, it provided protection for them. This narrow gap that would be used would be guarded by the shepherd. He would stand next to that narrow gap, and he was like the doorkeeper. Make sure nothing comes in. Hey, where are you going? And he'd make sure, hey, no, no, you need to get back into the, you're not, we're not ready to go for a walk yet. You stay back there. When it took time when he needed a rest or he slept at night, he would make his bed right in front of that narrow opening. And he would lay down and he would sleep there because he knew nothing was going to either get by him or come through him without him knowing he was the gatekeeper. Today I'm declaring to you that Jesus is the good shepherd and he is the gatekeeper. What does that mean for me, Pastor Tom? It means this. It's so powerful. Is that when you put your faith in Jesus, your salvation is secured. Because it is Jesus who's standing at the gate. So, ah, no. No, no, no. You're not coming in here. And then all of a sudden, when you all of a sudden have this crazy, stupid thought, it's the shepherd. Hey, get back here. That brings you back into the fold. It says you don't need to do life alone. You're not supposed to be trying to do this thing on your own. You're supposed to be in the body of Christ. You're supposed to be a part of this team. You're supposed to be bringing it in. See, the Good Shepherd is creating an environment for success. It's so important that we understand. And like Bill Doctrine shared this last week, the word for him for this year was submit. It's so important that we learn how to submit to our Good Shepherd. By the way, if you didn't hear last week's message, you need to go back and listen to last week's message online. Our salvation is found in Christ alone. There is no other way to spend eternity in heaven except through Jesus, our good shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. It's a reminder that having faith in Jesus is our only option that saves us from the punishment of our sins and opens up the gate to eternal life. Your faith in Jesus, the good shepherd, and this is something that is just a byproduct. But when you put your faith in Jesus, the good shepherd, all of a sudden that anxiety, those fears, those things that, because we live in a dysfunctional world. But you know that you can live in that dysfunctional world and still find peace because the Lord is with you. Remember the words of David, what David wrote. He said, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is powerful, it is effective, 
And God, I thank you in advance that it's changing our life. That's not even in advance. It's been changing my life, Lord. And it's going to continue to change my life. And I pray over each person that's represented here today that their lives will be touched and changed by the power of your word. Let it be effective. I pray, God, today. Let it take hold and grab a hold of our hearts today. If you're here today and you have never surrendered to the Good Shepherd, if you've never made a commitment to say, Lord, I want to follow you. I need your protection over my life. I need to put my faith in you and you alone. And you haven't done that. You haven't surrendered your life to Christ. Today is a great day for you to do so. With every head bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're, looking, if you're saying, Pastor Tom, I want to respond to this message in a way that changes my life. I would say, man, the way you respond is by saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. And if you're, here that, if you're here today and want to make that commitment to Christ, I want you to just raise your hand real high right now. Just raise your hand super high so that I can see it. Don't have yeah, one hand. Can I see another hand? Any other hands there? Maybe you're online watching right now. If that's you, make that commitment to follow Christ. Today, do so. Jesus is waiting for you. He wants you to be a part of his team. Everybody say this prayer with me today. Lord Jesus, I receive you today. Forgive me of my wrongs and help me to do what is right by the power of your Holy Spirit. Set me free. Give me purpose. Let my life make a difference. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.